Welcome to Experiencing God's Goodness. My name is Michelle Corgett, and today I want to invite you to join me as we hear stories of how individuals have walked through some incredibly difficult times and found God waiting for them in the middle of their darkest hour. We will hear some awesome testimonies of how God has shown up time and time again in the lives of these individuals and how they have experienced God's goodness. I want to welcome you to Experiencing God's Goodness. Today we don't have a specific guest to talk about their story, but we're going to tell a story that many, many people have experienced. It's a common occurrence that we see in the church today, but is by no means a new phenomenon within the church. And that is the story of the wounded church members. We know of so many who have felt hurt by individuals within the church. And maybe as you are listening to this podcast, you're going to quickly identify with this topic. There are so many roots to the church wound. Today, we're going to explore some of these roots as well as address the healing process and how we can still find God's goodness through it. Today, I've invited a brother in Christ, Eric, to join me in this conversation. And so, Eric, welcome. Thank you. You know, it is so common to come across people today who, when asked about being part of a church, will have a story about their church experience from the past that hurt them or disappointed them, and that this is why they may no longer even be attending church. And some have even stepped away from the Lord because of those wounds. How do you respond when you come across people who have those stories, who, who really have those wounds? Well, that, that, that's a really tough, tough one. And I think it's, it's different for every relationship. I, I had somebody that I knew who had been a, he was a friend of mine. He was a Christian, but he had stepped away exactly as you described. And we ran into each other at some event. I don't know what it was. He, his mom dragged him to church and we were both in the lobby. And he started asking me the, those questions, those, those un, why is God unfair type questions. I just knew that what he wanted was to kind of fight about it because he was mad at God. And I said to my friend, I said, you grew up with this. You, you know the answer to the questions that you're asking, but I don't, I don't want, want to spar with you. We can talk sometime. That'd be great. But, and he kept trying to get back into this, this. He was really disappointed. He wanted to fight with me. <laughs> it was really strange. But I said, I said to him, I care too much about you to, to go down this road, and I, and I know why you're asking these things, and that's okay. That was just one situation where I felt... Like, okay, that interaction was very positive. We're still friends and the door is still open. But, but he really wanted to fight to express how hurt he had been. So what do I say? It just depends on the person. I would say, I think it's harder today for people to disagree on anything. But when there's emotion behind it, when it's something personal, not just a belief system, which is almost impossible to change at times, but it's, it's actually comes from a place of wounding. I think that I have to remind myself that the person who's saying whatever they're saying isn't attacking me or what I believe. They're coming from that place of deep emotion. And so I think empathy, I think patience, I think acknowledgement, and that's, that's sometimes hard for us to acknowledge that 
either church or or life or family or whatever it is is not perfect. I, I, I think it's different in each case. How would you define the wounded Christian? I've served in various capacities in, in a church, and I've been under great leaders, and I've, I've dealt with leaders who maybe aren't as great in leading. I, I think what we do, and I think we all do this, we, we have an understanding of God probably first from our relationship with our parents, and that kind of translates out a little bit into authority. But when we're in church, that authority has an extra spiritual component, this idea, even if we wouldn't admit it, it's like, thus saith the Lord. The person you're serving under is saying it, so it must be God's will. And so if somebody handles ministry badly and you're hurt by it, you can walk away with this this disconnect between, I know what the Word of God says, and I understand that we're not perfect, but this was a shepherd, somebody I trusted. And so I think it's that, that disconnect. Somebody who follows Christ and doesn't know how to reconcile that someone treated them badly, who was in authority over them. I, I mean, that's, that's the category that I, I would first put them in. Mm-hmm. I think when we go to church, yeah. we have an expectation. And that expectation says that this is supposed to be a safe place. Right. It is supposed to be a place that I'm being shepherded, that I'm being loved. I'm being loved unconditionally because I'm coming into the church a broken and hurting person, just period. And so the idea that this place that I'm entering is supposed to not have that involved. However, it's also being led by broken and hurting people. And I think we sometimes lose sight of that. I was reading an article that talked about church wounds, and it actually identified several different ways in which wounds become inflicted. Um, The first one was loss of pastoral integrity. Mm. Sometimes we tend to put pastors up on this pedestal, and when they fall, it hurts us. Oh, yeah. I've seen churches absolutely destroyed because a pastor had maybe a moral failing or just some kind of failure with their integrity in their own life. Sometimes it's due to poor or non-biblical teaching at all. Sure. Uh, we unfortunately see that in churches sometimes. One that is just heartbreaking because this seems like worst break of trust you can have, and that is sexual abuse within oh, the yeah. church. Yeah. And then the last one they listed, which... I think it, it happens. We don't hear about it a lot of times mm-hmm. in the congregation, but sometimes financial mismanagement. Oh, sure. Yeah, of yeah, a church. yeah. And and sometimes, I mean, I I know of a situation where it wasn't that they were leader was stealing. It was just they were misman literally mismanaging, and you don't know where the you need. You know, call Dave Ramsey because the church is in trouble because they just mishandled the funds in that way. So even that is hurtful. Yeah. Do you think we put too much or do we rely too heavily on church leadership to be infallible? Oh, sure. You know, we all have our bias. We all have our perspective. And as much as we could define our leaders as human beings, as saved by grace, as as fallible, but still I think that we still have this this desire, just like a child looks to a parent, 
to protect and provide and do those things. We, I think, I think we definitely have, uh, no matter who we are. And the word, to some degree, will support that because let not many of you be teachers, right? Or if, if you lead one of these children astray, it's better if you had a millstone tied around your neck and you're cast into the seas. So being in leadership, being a teacher, being a pastor, a shepherd, is, it's a, it is a big responsibility. But, but I, think that, I think the flip side of that, though, is we don't offer grace to our leaders. So we can be wounded, but we can also not allow them to be human at times. I think the more humble the leader we have, the easier it is sometimes to forgive right. when they are having struggles, when right. they come forward in that humble right. stature. What do you think, though, we expect from the church culture in general? I mean, we have church leadership that definitely, I think, we tend to put up there and say, mm-hmm. you're supposed to, you know, live to a higher standard. Right. But I also think sometimes that the church culture, we have this expectation. Again, it's supposed to be this place where we're connecting and loving. Mm-hmm. So do you think, what do you think we're expecting out of that? I would not want to be a senior pastor in today's world. Churches are having a hard time hiring. There's, a, there's been a mass exodus for the past 10 years, at least, from the ministry because it is such a stressful job. As churches are starting to drift apart in terms of what's important and what they hold to, it's it's harder to find the fit for the right guy or gal for whatever positions the church is trying to fill. I don't think that there's one expectation that could be characterized that churchgoers or church members probably have, but, but there are just lots of them. Bringing it back to what you were saying before, I think we do expect pastors to be just like it says in Titus that your home is going to be orderly, you're going to behave a certain way, there are going to be signs of fruit in your home and in the church. And so there is kind of that pedestal thing. Years ago, I was serving under a pastor who was, he told me that when he first started working at that church, he was told, don't let anybody get close to you. You need to preserve that image of pastor. And thankfully for him, he realized that that was wrong. I mean, he shared it with the people who served with him. But there, that was at one time, I guess, a big part of church leadership. I think the church culture definitely has changed, especially since the pandemic. You do see uh, there's a lot less people in church. Mm-hmm. You know, we lost a lot of congregants across the board, it feels like. I'm, I'm hearing across the country mm-hmm. that's been an issue. But again, I think I go back to church wounds sometimes are not mm-hmm. just inflicted by church leadership mm-hmm. or the disappointment or the failed expectations of leaders. Sometimes it is the failed expectations of the culture. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we expect the culture to be, we, we believe it's supposed to be the family of God, which that is biblical, but what that family looks like mm-hmm. is different for everybody. Sure. Probably partly of what we bring to the table ourselves, our own baggage, our own ideas, our own family histories. But when we get disappointed, because the fact is, we all have an expectation. 
we have an expectation of, again, the leadership, but also of those are our, our peers, our other congregants in the church, you know, of what they're supposed to be doing for us right. and what we're supposed to be doing for them. Yeah. And it doesn't always meet that expectation. Right. And that also can cause some wounds. And I think there's a disconnect. I mean, I don't want to make, I don't want to overgeneralize because everybody's church experience is different. But my perspective is it seems that the modern evangelical church, whether denominational or non-denominational, there was a huge movement for maybe 25 years or more of trying to be relevant and trying trying to sound and look more appealing. And chasing that idea has, I felt like it really culminated during the pandemic because when we went into lockdown, the ultimate consumer state for a Christian is sitting on a couch with your phone scrolling while the sermon's playing and you've got your your pancakes or whatever it is, and you're in your pajamas, and you are judging what you're hearing rather than participating. I, for a season, was calling people who weren't in church, who had been missing for a while, and it was a just a fantastic thing to do. Somebody told me, hey, I think you need to you know, really remind them that you shouldn't forsake the gathering of yourselves together. And I thought, well, that's and they gave, even gave, gave me an article. And I thought that was, I thought that that's true. And I totally believe that. But my attitude in doing this follow-up was just to say, hey, I'm so-and-so and I'm calling because it looks like you may have, maybe haven't been around for a while. And I just want to see, can I pray for you? What, do you need something? Is there something, you know? In those conversations, I saw over and over and over a disconnect between the expectation I'm going to be shepherded and connected and involved and 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 yet they were staying home every weekend and they were watching or listening to the sermon and they were very very passive they might be out on the you know taking their kids on a sports travel league or out on the boat or whatever but they weren't engaging and they didn't understand why they didn't feel connected and so uh so I, I, I feel like the church, maybe in general, as we have tried to be make life easier for congregants to be involved, we've lost sight of really the fundamentals. You know, we gather to worship and to open the Word of God and to care for each other. And maybe, maybe there's a small group or there's a ministry you're involved with. And it's people interacting and following the Lord and growing in the Lord, but there's a together component that really is just basic to Scripture. On the one hand, we want to be adapting and appealing and changing and be more, I hate to use the word fun, it feels like. And then on the other hand, we expect people to show up and to do the work of the church. And I don't, I, I don't know if the church in general... Had, the leadership has really focused on what what the main priority is for church. And I would also say that, yes, churches lost a lot of people during and post-pandemic, but there have been, I think, a lot of movement. 
there were little churches that either met or were formed because other churches weren't meeting in that season, and they've continued. Some churches have grown, but most of that's probably transfer from somewhere else. Another thing I was reading about was, it was a reminder to me, that when we have been inflicted with a church wound, yes, that we, there are three instinctual uh, survival instincts that we mm-hmm. usually do. Flight, fight, or freeze. Mm-hmm. Flight, right? Mm-hmm. People were like, right. hey, I'm out of here. Right. X, right. Y, and Z happened, or this person said right. this, or... And they leave. Right. Or they fight. You experienced mm-hmm. that a little bit when you ran into your friend. Mm-hmm. They become aggressive. Their anger yeah. Yeah. Um, really fuels them. And yeah. they really become defensive yeah. around everything. Or they just become paralyzed. It's yeah. like they're stuck. Right. They don't know where to go, what to do, how to handle it. Right. And I think for those, it's almost scarier because yeah. a lot of times it is affecting them so much, but they don't know what to do with it. And it ends up that wound just gets deeper and deeper and deeper for them. The other thing I wanted to address with this though, was grief. Because I think when expectations are not met or we are faced with somebody that we feel has failed us as being a flock of a shepherd or that grief is a process that yeah. we we really have to understand and, and just recognize that it's there, it's right. real. I was reading online, though, and I read a quote, and I loved this. God doesn't spiritualize our pain. He actually understands it. And I think that's something we really have to remember. Yeah. He understands it, and he is going to walk us through it. Right. So one thing that God showed me, and this was in a church setting, I felt stuck and I felt like God was not moving me on from where I was. And so, you know, you just want to pray, Lord, hear me, fix this specific thing, move me from here to there. But he was also working on my gratitude. And when I realized that I could be grateful even while I'm dealing with whatever I'm dealing with, that was very freeing because I realized that it was kind of silly because if God has me in a place or if I'm, I'm stuck in a place, if I expressed my gratitude, then he wouldn't answer my prayer. And that's just ridiculous, right? He has us in a place for a season so that we can grow, so that we might be a blessing to others or simply to his glory. You know, we don't always know. But once I realized that I was withholding my gratitude until until I felt like he was answering my prayer, I was much, much freer to go, okay, this circumstance may not be ideal. It may not be healthy. I might even be a little bit hurt by this. But I can be grateful and I can even be hopeful. That really allowed me to let go of emotions. Dealing with difficult people, It's if I can be hopeful and expectant that the Holy Spirit will provide what he needs to provide, then it's easier for me to, when I feel like somebody is attacking me or doesn't have my best interest, to not get all defensive, but 
to focus on, okay, the Lord has me here. I think when it comes to grief, I think hope is really, really, it's, it's hard. It's really hard because grief is such a powerful emotion. If I were talking to someone right now who feels hurt, maybe doesn't even know how to express that because we often will hide our hurts in, in church. But even if you don't feel hopeful, like the Lord can remove your grief, he can absolutely do that. And he wants to do that. He wants to, I grieved at the passing of my father and that was an important season and I got to go through that. There were blessings from that. This kind of grief though, I suspect you're just talking about someone who's been hurt and feels like they don't know what to do with that hurt uh, in a church setting. I would say, find someone to talk to and be hopeful. Be hopeful that it's, even though they were a leader or whatever, doesn't mean that you are the cause of this and you can find healing. Well, that really leads us to my next question. How does one find healing from these wounds? For me, if you know the word of God is true and you know that the Lord has saved you from your sins and you are walking in him, and you've been wounded by someone, the Lord cares intimately. I think it starts with understanding that the Word of God was not written as some cold, distant history text, but it's meant to be something that can be lived out in our lives. We see the heart of God in the Scripture. We use the phrase, thus saith the Lord, from the Old English, but the Bible describes him as Abba or Daddy. If we can remind ourselves that even if we had a lousy dad, but that that a good dad or someone that holds us like we're a little kid and we call him daddy, that's the relationship that God desires. I think that's a starting point. If there's someone that you can talk to and it's, it's pretty common, we all hurt each other. You know, before I drove over here, I, I had a little argument with a friend. It's just so funny how often we can feel attacked or be in conflict. So starting with that, I think withdrawing from community, withdrawing from church is not the right solution. I think it's finding a community that that you can engage with and that you can be yourself with, like a small group or some ministry to be involved with, where you can find some people you can be safe around. But whatever your path, I think hope is always so critical because grief on its own will keep you from going to church. It'll keep you from reading your Bible. The more that you feel hopeless and you feel abandoned, it's so easy to just not do those things, which will ultimately bring you healing. It might mean that we do need to take a step back sometimes. Oh, absolutely. To allow ourselves oh, that yeah. time to heal. Oh, yeah. We also, forgiveness. Forgiveness yeah. is huge. Yeah. yeah. Because I know at times when people have hurt me, yeah. man, I want to hold on to that. Right. I want to yeah. stew yeah. in it and yeah. like. Because if you hold on to that, then they're being punished somehow, <laughs> even though you're the one who's got the, the acid in you. It's yeah. somehow we feel validated by our anger. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's learning to surrender that over. Right surrender that that pain that we've experienced and letting the Lord handle it, letting him carry it for us, which is not the easiest. It sounds easy when you say it out loud, but the practice of it 
is not as simple as that. And then back to prayer. Yeah. And again, I think that is part of surrender. Absolutely. Seeking yeah. God, not mm-hmm. seeking man. Right. Right. Because that is that is usually what got us in trouble in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. were looking to man to somehow fulfill a need. Right. That maybe right. he was never meant to fulfill. We tend to look back and keep lists of wrongs, and I, I think that God wants us to focus on Him. For me, the going to Him in gratitude makes it really hard for me to hang on to those things that would be bitterness and, you know, self-justification. So, but yeah, prayer, 100%. Well, I promised you at the beginning of this that we were going to get to the good part, experiencing God's goodness. Yeah. How can one experience God's goodness through these kinds of experiences? I think that, you know, getting to the other side, sometimes for me, I sometimes have to put the cart before the uh, put the yeah, put the cart before the horse. So, even if I don't feel like doing I don't feel like praying about the situation. I don't feel like spending time in the Word. I don't feel like forgiving. When I start doing those things, even though I don't feel like it, I'm acting in obedience, and my heart follows. So definitely not waiting to feel better, but doing these things so that you can begin find healing. I think sometimes it can be finding a different church community. That's not a bad thing. I, I think... I know that it's hard for people sometimes, especially especially if you grew up in a church or you spent a long time in one church, and someone might actually tell you that you're being disloyal. I've heard that before, and it just it just oh, it just breaks my heart. But sometimes that's what you need for you and your family, and you you find a church and you can attend and maybe serve, maybe not right away, but I think it's definitely action centered. Well, and I think another experience in God's goodness is found in continuing to move forward in our lives. Yeah. I spoke to a woman last year while I was on vacation in Texas. Mm-hmm. I actually ended up in Uvalde where mm-hmm. the school shootings had occurred. And I spoke to this woman at a restaurant and she was telling me about her, her story, her life. And I will tell you, there were just a lot of things that had gone wrong in her life. She had lost a limb Mm. to amputation. Her husband had passed away Mm. and she had a niece who was killed in the shooting. And I just asked her, I go, in the middle of all this bad, how are you finding God's goodness? Mm. And she looked at me, she goes, well, in the Bible, there's this guy named Job. (laughs) And I just loved that moment because I'm like, here, she doesn't know I'm a Christian or anything. I mean, I just kind of said like, hey, I am a Christian, (laughs) but she doesn't know me. I don't know her, but she starts telling me about Job and how Job had all these terrible things happen. In fact, and this was just coming from her her mouth, she goes, his friends told him he should just lay down and die. Yeah. But he didn't. Yeah. He kept on moving forward. Yep. And that's all we can do. Right. And I think that really applies to any time, whether it's in the church or the workplace or in family or relationships, that when we're hurt, part of it is learning to not let us stop us from our growth. Right. 
and let it help us move forward. Absolutely. Even though it's hard. Yeah. It's very difficult. Right. But when we keep our eyes on Jesus, he gives us the ability and the strength to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, Eric, I just want to thank you again for coming and and just being part of this conversation because I think it is an important conversation to have. Like I said, sadly, this is not that we just hear one or two people. Right. There are a lot of people yeah. out there who have these wounds for one yeah. reason or another. Yeah. And I felt like it was really important for us to tell their story a little bit without going into all the details. <laughs> well, thank you for inviting me. This, is, this has been a, a great conversation. We're so glad that you could join us for today's podcast. If you're interested in experiencing God's goodness in your own life, and you would like somebody to pray with you, there's a 24-hour hotline that you can call at 1-800-700-7000. There is somebody on the phone ready to talk to you so that you too can experience God's goodness.